0: Welcome back to the Librarian Linkover podcast. I am your host, Laureen Kennard. My guest today is Jan Doner. Jan is a nonfiction writer. She's going to tell us how understanding what makes an engaging, yet good, reference book helped her write one. Jan, welcome to the Librarian Linkover.
1: Hi, it's great to be
0: here. Happy to have you. Tell us how you got started writing nonfiction.
1: I always wanted to write. I had finished my thesis for my um, MLS, and I had written an article based on it, and I was trying a couple other projects. But at the same time, my husband and I had moved back to the Midwest, and we were starting up our sort of small farm that we still live on today. And I started to become very involved with a number of groups that were about preserving um, historic breeds of livestock, people who worked (laughs) at museums, living history sites, researchers, just family farmers who had maintained some historic breed of livestock. So we were trying to get that established on our farm. And as I was going to these conferences and things, I realized there was not a comprehensive book about this. (laughs) And I said to myself, well, I'm going to write it. And I just, cold you know called a couple of agents that specialized in nonfiction, and one was very excited by the idea and it took off and that was my first book project it was for Yale and it was more of an academic book it took a long time to write mm-hmm. um, and since then I've sort of migrated into sort of less academic books because I write for story publishing maybe which is sort of like you know farm craft hobby sort of how-to books nature things like mm-hmm. that so that's how I got into it
0: (laughs) necessity is the mother of invention right yes what is your writing process like
1: uh hopefully it's just like we teach right (laughs) for many years um i've taught middle school english and i've been a school librarian for a long Mm -hmm. time as well um and so i you know i feel like oh my former students are gonna be judging me here right (laughs) so it begins with um, a period of exploration about the topic lots of learning lots of surveying the literature reading gathering and you're sort of mulling it all over your head and then you start sort of organizing it but then it moves to drafting a formal book proposal. And I was taught this way from my first agent who said, you've got to have a good solid book proposal, which can be like 30 or 40 pages long. No kidding. Know. That's yeah, long. Um, Because you're detailing out everything from what the book is going to cover to the marketing of it. Who would the potential mm. audience be? What would the illustrations be like? What will the, the sort of tone of this book be? Mm-hmm. And you know, all this kind of stuff. And that helps you get yourself organized, right? Because mm-hmm. you're thinking about your audience and stuff. Um, then I experiment a bit with this, the format and organization. And if I have a book contract for it, this becomes a really collaborative thing with editors and book designers. And probably more than most people think, for, for nonfiction books, they're often often highly designed. Right? They're a product that that is coming out from um, a publisher that specializes in nonfiction, usually, and. They are already thinking out what kind of illustration money are we going to put into this? What are these illustrations going to be like? And by the time you get a contract, you even have page lengths and things that wordage that you have to have and stuff. So um, that starts to determine then how you're going to reorganize your material. Um, I very much work from an outline, a very, very detailed outline. It's just me. Um, And then I break the outline down into really small manageable portions and I don't even write these in order because many of my books contain a lot of profiles of animal breeds or dog breeds or uh, wild animals or things like that and so you can, once you know exactly what you're going to cover in each of these, you can break them down into little research bits and little writing bits. I generally have a goal of trying to write like 1200 to 1500 words a day, just Mm -hmm. a draft, you know, a solid draft. And it takes that long because you're really synthesizing your research, right? You know, you're pulling it all in front of you and then you're, you know, you're doing that. So if I can get that done in one day for a little piece, I feel pretty good about it. I come back the next day and I reread it to see how it, Mm -hmm. you know, fix things up a little and then just try to start it on the next one. So then eventually all these little parts Start to become intact chapters, and then the intact book, and then that's when that whole process of you know reading and editing it through as a whole begins to take place. And then the editors, and other people, and the fact checkers, everybody get involved, and so then you're collaborating again, and you're um it's always improved the editor always improves everything you ever write (laughs) even if you're an English major right um and it that's just sort of my process it chugs through sometimes it takes longer or shorter but I enjoy it
0: interesting how do you handle writer's block
1: Um, I am so organized for all these little portions (laughs) that it's really easy to just focus on that. Um, And if some little portion isn't really exciting me that day, I can skip to another little portion, right? There you go. Um, I think fiction writers probably have a much greater problem with that because... I admire them tremendously. I've never written fiction, but that just seems to be such a process of pouring something out of yourself and creating something. Where writing nonfiction, yes, I very much feel like I have my own voice and I have a tone and a purpose and everything to what I'm writing, but it just seems like it's easier for me to slip into it. Mm -hmm. Right? And so I just don't have a really big problem with writer's block.
0: I can see that. You work on what you want to work on. Yes. How have your books or the content of your books benefited from your library education?
1: Well, obviously, library education gives us research skills. Mm -hmm. Um, Even this basic concept like that we know there's an answer out there and (laughs) where we're likely to find it. Um, Knowing how to navigate research sites and do productive searches saves me so much time. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can just you know, people flounder endlessly as we watch, you know, we've watched as librarians, but I also really have believed that I, I, try to pick up any of those free little courses that Google or the database people or anybody offers because that just makes your skills even sharper, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to be able to navigate government sites, all that kind of stuff. So I think research skills, obviously, for nonfiction. Uh, We know how to evaluate research, um, Mm -hmm. our sources for reliability and accuracy, which is a big problem, obviously, for a lot of people. Correct. I also think we understand what makes a good Right. We understand the purpose of it because we're used to using it with a patron. Right. And so we know how the patron, you know, will comprehend that book or how comprehensive they need it to be or how accessible is it going to be very technical or something more. They can drop into and out to, but we know how it should be organized to make that easy for them, Mm -hmm. right? Or Mm -hmm. how to make something attractive or what the illustrations and charts should convey that will be helpful to them, right? Um, So I just think that from academic to pleasurable reading, we sort of have a handle on that. And there's one other thing I think about. I think we know how libraries and librarians, how to interact with them. Mm
0: -hmm. Right. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. So um, and that's not a small thing because we know how we do book talks. At least I did tons of Mm -hmm. book talks. So and we made presentations, we teach things. Right. And so I think that we know then when a library wants us to do something or we want to interact with the library as an author, we understand exactly what it is that they want and how it fits into their library programming, maybe or Mm a school visit or anything like that. And, And we even knew how to do things like this. Like do podcasts, do social mm-hmm. media, right? Right. <laughs> make a website, do a webinar. I just think library education is big basis of what I do. It's everything. Yeah.
0: Thank yeah. you for saying that because that's why I'm doing my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jen, here's the big question I have for you specifically. Yeah. How do you make a reference book good as well as engaging?
1: Well, you know that there's all different types of nonfiction, right? There's this kind of active how-to book step-by-step kind of nonfiction. And then there's those real browsable books like with, you know, lots of illustrations, sort of coffee table books sometimes, Mm -hmm. right? Something like that, really compelling photos, right? Then there's this real traditional objective nonfiction that doesn't have a, a like a philosophy, maybe your point of view that's really strong, just the facts, right? right? And then there's expository, which has a strong point of view and a voice. And then there's narrative, which is telling a story. Personally, I believe that while there's each kind of fiction like this, you have to pull all of those things into a good nonfiction book. And I'm writing for people i'm not writing for other academics you know i'm just Mm -hmm. writing for other people who can be very knowledgeable or maybe they're just starting out and so i just really feel like you have to have all tell a really great story make it engaging even in these little like breed profiles i've talked about like with dogs or Mm -hmm. sheep or anything you can still make each one of them really engaging you can still have a really strong point of view and from my point of view it's always been about um, sustainability and mm-hmm. coexistence and ways to do agriculture or to do things in a, in a more humane way and all these kinds of things and so i have this voice that i'm sort of bringing to it as well and i guess um i the thing that makes me the proudest is when i see a review of one of my books and the reviewer says oh the book was really readable oh hey. it was really compelling or it has a strong philosophy running through it. And I'm going, that's right. You can write about (laughs) anything and make it important, right? And make it meaningful. And so I try to bring in all that stuff that we know about all those different kinds of reference books and put them into one
0: thing. (laughs) Well, that's great. That's a good review. (laughs) Yeah. What suggestions can you give librarians who want to write books?
1: Well, Obviously, I can only talk about nonfiction, but um, I would tell you to identify your passions or something that really fascinates you because or something you feel like is really important because over the long haul, that's the passion that that's going to fuel it, right? Because you don't always get a reward for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, one of my editors who has worked with me a great deal one time said she tells authors, this or potential authors all the time, write what you care about. If, Mm. you know, I mean, maybe you care about iguanas. Maybe you care a lot about frogs. Maybe you care about, you know, the environment, something you're going to care about, and that's what's going to fuel it past all the sort of, you know, negative reactions or other things that are going to come your way. So you've got to care about it. The other thing I would say is to study the market and the publishers because um, you can very carefully target things to the right people. And that's research again, right? Mm -hmm. Um, An agent can be a huge advantage, especially when you're starting out. But then I think your work sort of comes to stand on its own. And I've gotten most jobs since the first one without an agent. You know people, know, people think of you. They Or when you contact them, they're, you know, sort of aware of what you do. So um, I wouldn't be afraid to reach out to agents or editors for advice. Librarians are in a unique position that we run into these people at our conferences mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, ALA and all kinds of places. And that's, just ask for advice, you know? I also think start small and you can write really targeted articles. I've written a lot of articles and sometimes I write them for free. Sometimes I'm paid. Sometimes they're for very niche publications, just like, you know, I wrote an article for a Paco World this this winter, right? But it helps give you that experience and resume that you sort of need when you do approach a publisher. Um, I would also say don't be an outsider in the field that you want to write about in nonfiction. Mm. You need to participate in whatever like learning groups or conferences or communities or organizations or whatever, if they're online or whatever, about the topics that you're interested in and get to know the people that are involved in it. Um, you know, make contacts, uh, friends, interview experts. Um, I really believe you should read blog posts that a lot of these people write because they seem freer to voice the controversies or the things that are worrying people in that field than they might in a formal article. And so it sort of gives you an insight. Um, Sometimes they're more chatty on their blog posts, right? I guess it's really important, this thing of not being an outsider, because you don't want to be the person who's dropping into a field and just Mm -hmm. saying, Hey, I know all about this when you don't, right? My last piece of advice is not to be competitive or rude, Okay, Mm -hmm. People think they have to be cutthroat with each other. And I am just this is not where I'm at at all. Um, I am friends or at least very friendly colleagues with everybody who writes in my field. And frequently another writer in my field is the person who recommends me to an editor looking for something, right? Like, oh, I can't quite have a handle on that, but I know who could do that for you, right? Nice. Um, There is no reason for us to be competitive with each other. Um, I think that there's room for plenty of people. We all have a slightly different, you know, coming from a slightly different place. And the, the editor that was the most important to me it lately in the last 15 years or so another author introduced her to me right and i just think we can be kind people there's no reason why we have to feel like we're fighting each other for this stuff there's plenty of room for everyone yes plenty of content
0: (laughs) why did you go to library school and based on your career so far does that reasoning still hold yes
1: Good. <laughs> um, I was major. I started out majoring in elementary education at Purdue University, and I. But I had always loved libraries, Even, ever since I was a child. I was a very avid reader. I was one of those little kids who was putting spine labels on my little Scholastic paperbacks mm-hmm. when I was like nine or ten, right? And I've heard mm-hmm. from more kids that have done that as well, right? <laughs> so,
0: I wrote my Nancy Drews with marks a lot. The numbers. <laughs>
1: Yes. I, I just think we're oriented that way, right? Well, my father was a principal and he said, Why don't you pick up a second major in school library service? In Indiana at the bachelor's level, you can do that. You can get a school Mm -hmm. library sort of specialty. And so I I said, sure, I'll do that. Sounds like fun, although I don't think I want to be a librarian, right? (laughs) (laughs) And but from the first day I walked in that class, I still remember the professor. I remember sitting in that room and I'm like, oh my gosh, these are my people. Where have they been? Everybody here feels like I do about learning and about books and about knowledge and about helping people and stuff. And so uh, I have never looked back, right? Um, I just found myself that day, I guess. Later, I got my master's in library science from San Jose State University in California. Um, But I will tell you, it's the best job. I've told I tell people that all the time. I'm now retired from teaching, but I worked as an elementary librarian and more recently as like a middle school and junior high librarian. And this is apart from writing, but um, I loved the kids. I love the kind of kids who hang out at our libraries. They tend mm-hmm. to be quirky kids or creative kids, vulnerable kids. Mm-hmm. Something is going on with them. And, and in school, it's often the kids who don't f- who don't fit in yet and you know they're going to find some people, or you hope later, that will be their people. But mm-hmm. right now they need a safe space, or they need somebody to listen to them talk about their passion for whatever it is that they're you know, passionate in or, or something. And um, that's immensely rewarding. When you look back, you think, you know all of the things you did, just providing a safe space for some kids. And I think many public libraries do the same thing. Mm-hmm. College libraries perhaps too. People find mm-hmm. a, a safe space and that's a benefit I didn't expect of becoming a librarian, but it's probably the most important one.
0: I had the same experience my first day in library school. Walked into my first class, and everything got started. And I'm just like, these are my people. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. 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 So where can people find you or your books or your farm on um, social media?
1: Online. My website is at jandoner.com. So that's J-A-N-D-O-H-N-E-R. And it links to everything that I do. So my books are there, articles, blog posts that I write, um, podcasts that I've done, webinars, social media, email. There's a place you can email me. It's all through my website. Um, My books are available anywhere. You can order them through any bookstore or order them online. Lots of libraries have them. (laughs) That's great. Our farm products are sold through rusticrootsfarm.com. We're also on Etsy. Um, my daughter-in-law and son also have another small sort of farm oriented the same way we do. And she manages all of our farm products. Um, we have about 50 beehives. We sell a lot of honey and things. We have Shetland sheep. So we sell wool and wool products and chickens and things like that. So um, it's kind of a combined life, right? <laughs> <That's> great. <laughs> it's great. It's a great things. combination.
0: Yeah. Which just shows you librarians can do anything. Sure. We can do anything in any field
1: i absolutely agree with you on this i think this is a brilliant idea for a series of podcasts because um our background is 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 adaptable to so many different things mm-hmm. you know and um you you know we're all we teach these skills to people because we know they're so important how to think critically and how to do research and how to you know create a research project and stuff like that and um, they really are they're adaptable to everybody for the rest of their life so obviously (laughs) they're adaptable for us too correct
0: thank you for saying that yes (laughs) well thank you so much for doing this i really learned a lot oh great that was good (laughs) thank you to jan donor for being my guest today on the librarian link over i enjoy all the comments i've received on the content my guests and i are providing on this podcast please continue to like and follow the Librarian Linkover on your favorite podcast app and on social media. And of course, visit the LibrarianLinkover.com. Thank you so much for listening.